In New Zealand I read a magazine Something nasty crossed my eye The earth that fed me in California Was turning cracked and dry New Zealand ferns are always green It rains more there than it should I looked to the cloud that was raining on me And said, go where you can do some good Clouds stop crying and wasting time And fly across the sky Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain Spread a lot of rain on California And this is in love You're tuned to Mutiny Radio 10 a.m. and we're starting out today Met a guy from San Francisco Zara, save the earth show Save our home, save our mother Brother Charlie Morgan here Singing about climate change Nobody had a garden Nothing lived but weeds The earth looked like some kind of feverish person Who'd caught a strange disease He said the reservoirs are empty Cattle dying too Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm and town Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California don't want to see her die I stared up to the diamond stars One cashmere night Black velvet sky and a raging river Was no other sound or sight The Big Dipper hung up above the river And I felt that it was a shame all this water here in California dry I said to the dipper by name Reached out and kissed that raging river And fly across the sky Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain Spread a lot of rain on California I don't want to see her die People and the animals like to gather where water flows A beer, some tea, or a water hole It's there where something grows And remember the music water makes The rainy pool and the circle dance The thunder of the ocean and the waterfall The laughing creek that feeds the plants Now the fields are green again Beauty has returned Tragedies continue to show what we still got to learn Can't waste away the ocean, water, air, or land If we upset this sacred ground, we won't have any place to stand So reach down and kiss the raging river and fly across the sky And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California don't want to see her spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die.
Okay, welcome to uh, Labor and Love on a Saturday morning. If you're listening to this show and it's not December 12th, 2015, you're listening to one of our archive shows. But at this point, it is December 12th, 2015. This is The B. The show is Labor and Love. And the station is MutinyRadio.fm. The location is 278 21st Street in the heart of San Francisco's Mission District. And like I said today, we're all about the earth. Got a couple stories from the big uh, summit being held in Paris of world leaders, quote unquote. We've got some features about John Trudell, longtime Native American activist who uh, we lost this week. We got comments from uh, Jane Goodall and uh, we've got our regular features. Uh, This day in labor history. The National Labor Report from WIN and the World Labor Report from Radio Labor. But as I say, today we're all about the Earth. And you gotta serve somebody. serve the earth or are you going to serve capital? the country. 
construction work, working on a home. Living in a mansion, might live in a dome. Might own guns, you might even own things. You might be somebody's landlord, or you might own a bank. But you got to serve somebody.
remember the times that you have held your head high and told all your friends of your Indian claim. Proud good lady and proud good man, your great great grandfather from Indian blood sprang, and you feel in your heart for these ones. Oh, it's written in books and in songs that we've been mistreated and wrong. Well, over and over I hear the same words from you, good lady, and you, good man. Well, listen to me if you care where we stand and you feel you're a part of these ones when a about Uncle Sam Or are you still taking our lands A treaty forever George Washington signed He did, dear lady He did, dear man And the treaty's being broken by Kim's or Dam And what will you do for these ones Oh, it's all in the past you can say but it's still going on here today. The government now wants the for land, that of the Seneca and the Cheyenne. It's here and it's now, you must help us, dear man, now that the buffalo's gone. Hey, that was our lead-in set for this uh, December 12th show on Labor and Love, the show where we tell you how it is. If one person got a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu and never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor as I mentioned earlier we're talking about the earth today in light of the uh, conference of world leaders about climate change taking place in uh, Paris and that was Buffy St. Marie, um, early Buffy, now that the buffalo's gone. And we need to look at the way the U.S. government has comported itself, uh, in this case, to destroy the Native Americans' way of life of, of the Plains Indians by uh, killing all the buffalo that they could. And in a 
period of about 10 years. It went from million, seven and eight or eight million buffalo to less than 500,000 <clears> by the year 1885. And when you kill the buffalo, you kill the people who are dependent on the buffalo. Just as now, as the earth, no more. That's not really true. The earth's not going to die. We're going to die. Okay, so as we pollute the earth, as we uh, load hydrocarbons into the uh, atmosphere, we're killing ourselves. The earth will live on in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so it's about ourselves now that we're talking. Let's skip now to our win labor report. This is our uh, our weekly report on the state of the labor movement in and labor actions uh, within the United States. And then we'll get on with radio labor. Here's the win labor report. Workers in Independent Network. Workers Independent News, we can review. I'm Doug Cunningham. Very, very relieved and thankful and uh, proud of everybody that helped us get to this point. They have done something big. They've done something historic. They have uh, they've made history. UAW Local 42 President Mike Cantrell reacting to the UAW winning a skilled trades worker in LRB election at VW's Chattanooga, Tennessee plant. Cantrell says the UAW will immediately start talking with VW about a collective bargaining agreement, the first for the UAW in a foreign-owned auto plant in the U.S. American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten says the bipartisan Senate vote passing the Every Student Succeeds Act is a significant course correction on education policies. Weingarten says this acknowledges that more than a decade's worth of education reforms based on test and sanction policies was a failure. She says the new law is a chance to press the reset button for public schools. The Office and Professional Employees International Union is filing an NLRB complaint against the Menards store chain, alleging that a contract provision for Menards managers violates labor law. The Menards contract managers must sign to work there states that manager compensation will be cut by 60% if, quote, a union of any type is recognized within your particular operation during the term of this agreement, end quote. Seth Goldstein is senior business representative for OPEIU Local 153. That's an outrageous interference in employees' right to engage in concerted activity under the National Labor Relations Act. And we have to put a stop to it, so we filed an unfair labor practice charge. The WTO is authorizing over a billion dollars in trade sanctions against the U.S. unless country of origin meat labels on food are dropped. Global Trade Watch's Melinda St. Louis says this is a glaring concrete example of how trade agreements trump public policy decisions made by Americans. This did not go through U.S. courts. This is a tribunal outside of our court system made up of trade lawyers who decide whether our consumers right to know where our meat comes from was a violation of these broad corporate rights. The Los Angeles School Board was urged Tuesday to take a stand against a charter school expansion program pushed by billionaires through the Eli Broad Foundation. 
Broad wants to take half of Los Angeles students out of the public school system and put them into private charter schools using public education funds. UTLA President Alex Caputo says the Broad Walmart plan is a comprehensive attack on the commitment to public education. Los Angeles has been uh, one of the ground zeros of that attack on uh, teachers. It's part of a broader attack against public sector workers and part of a broader attack against large public systems that, uh, that serve uh, largely communities of color and largely low-income communities. Workers' independent news provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, that was Workers' Independent News. Yes, a big victory. Anytime you're able to organize in the South and succeed, you've done something. Uh, you've done something uh, really significant. Congratulations to those workers. All right, here's Radio Labor, the World Report. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, December 11th, 2015. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, unionists at the Paris Climate Conference are planning a huge illegal demonstration for Saturday, December 12th. Labor leaders at the conference are trying to convince governments to provide a just transition for workers. Public service labor organizations used Human Rights Day this week to shame six countries that are not respecting labor rights. All that plus the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. The 400 union activists attending the United Nations Climate Conference in Paris are increasingly frustrated that their concerns are being ignored. The conference has been extended until Saturday, December 12th, in order to finalize the conclusions document. Labor fears that its call for a just transition to greener economies for workers will not be included in the body of the document. One of the climate activists who has been working with unions is Naomi Klein, the author of This Changes Everything, Capitalism versus the Climate. The deal that will be unveiled will not be enough to keep us safe. In fact, it will be extraordinarily dangerous. We know from doing the math and adding up the targets that the major economies have brought to Paris that those targets lead us to a very dangerous future. They lead us to a future of between three and four degrees Celsius warming. We know that the deal that will be unveiled is going to steamroll over crucial scientific red lines, which is why on December the 12th at 12 o'clock, that's 12-12-12, many activists will be in the streets of Paris peacefully demonstrating against the violation of these red lines. Labor and other civil society activists at the conference have been trying to convince government representatives not only that a just transition for workers can be achieved, but that it can lead to millions of new jobs. Hassan Youssef is the president of the Canadian Labor Congress, the CLC. 
We have started a campaign how we can create one million green jobs within the next decade. For that to happen, government, industry, and of course the trade union movement, the environment movement, all have to work together for us to accomplish that goal. And our priority is to focus on that specifically. At the same time, recognizing we have to have a very clear understanding how do we create a just transition mechanism. This has been a conceptual discussion, it has to become a practical discussion. And to make that real, we have to sit with the government and say, how do we do this in a real way, in a meaningful way, that say to workers, this is what a just transition mechanism will look like to help workers and their families deal with the changes that are coming. Hilma Mota is the executive director of the Africa Labor Research and Education Institute. She sees opportunities for employment in green-oriented activities such as recycling. In crises, there are also opportunities. It is now a chance for Africa to industrialize, to build industries, but in, in a more greener and more sustainable way. There is a, a lot of filth, filth in Africa at the moment, so recycling could be an opportunity for employment for everybody, rural people, persons living with disabilities. It is a chance for us not to leave anybody behind. So it's important that we create one unifying message for all people of the world to understand that climate change is real and we are going to perish unless we organize, change our way of doing things, change our production and consumption methods. December 10th was the International Day for Human Rights. Labor organizations used the day to highlight the need for labor rights to be respected. One of the labor organizations at the forefront of this effort is Unison, the Union for Public Service Workers in the UK. It marked the day by organizing a Root of Shame action, which saw workers deliver letters of shame to six countries notorious for abusing labor rights. I talked to Nick Crook, the head of Unison's international department. I asked him what countries were being targeted in his union's campaign. The countries we've chosen are Qatar, Bahrain, Colombia, Turkey, South Korea, and Swaziland. Tell us a bit about those countries. For instance, why is Qatar at the top of your list? Qatar is a country where trade unions are, are banned, they're not allowed to operate, and the government of Qatar operate a form of employment which is virtually a form of bonded labor, which is the kafala system. In Bahrain, the Bahraini government cracked down on the Bahraini trade union movement, which was historically one of the freest and most independent trade unions in the Middle East after the Arab Spring. And there have been severe repression of trade unions in Bahrain as a consequence. In Turkey, the Turkish trade unions have always operated in a difficult environment. But more recently, we've seen those unions, mainly in the public sector, that operate in southeastern Turkey, where there is a large Kurdish minority, being targeted because they work around the rights of the Kurdish minority, the right to receive education in their own language, or the right to access services. In South Korea, the South Korean government is pushing through a major program of weakening employment rights and attacking trade unions with increasing use of precarious work, flexible working practices, use of agency workers in Korea, which is making things worse for ordinary workers in Korea. And now, Swaziland might not be a common one to many of your listeners, but Swaziland is a small country in Africa where it's the only absolute monarchy in Africa and where the king, uh, King Maswati, operates 
and runs the country pretty much as his own private reserve where he can abuse his position as king and can use the state's resources to his own advantage. And the trade union movement is part of the wider democracy movement in Swaziland, and as a consequence, it's been targeted. Many other countries have been organizing root of shame campaigns. The global effort is being led by Public Services International. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,300 stories that our volunteers have collected in the last week. Our top stories section included links to news about the one-day strike by 400,000 public sector workers in the Canadian province of Quebec, the surrender to police by the president of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, and the national general strike in Morocco. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Public transport workers in Rome ended their strike when their employer agreed to discuss working conditions in the city's metro system. Public sector workers in the Turkish half of Cyprus struck for a day to protest legislative and administrative attacks on their unions. American Coca-Cola workers walked out in a wage dispute. In Belize, dockers refused to unload ships uh, without warning to show their dissatisfaction with their retirement benefits. Cambodian garment workers burned tires outside their workplaces as they demanded that their employers adhere to the country's labor laws. In Greece, hospital workers were protesting their lack of medical equipment and supplies, while regional civil servants protested cuts to their pensions. A strike by Zambian judiciary workers was stopped by a court order. Contract municipal workers in South Africa backed their demands for job security by blocking roads. Healthcare workers in Pakistan held a sick out over workplace violence. And Sri Lankan unions continued to mobilize workers in strikes against their government's proposed budget. The top working women's stories on our site included coverage of the growth in women's employment in Ethiopia, progress in the campaign for equal pay in New Zealand, and an interview with the first woman ever elected to lead a national union in Iraq. Our health and safety newswire carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the groundbreaking court decision in Canada that takes decisions about what constitutes workplace violence away from employers, a fatal accident at a pharmaceutical factory in India, and the hospitalization of 54 Turkish package delivery workers after a parcel containing dangerous chemicals leaked. Currently, Labor Start is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Right, global solidarity. The answer, global solidarity is the answer to the crisis of climate change and uh, global warming. Right, so let's listen now to uh, a couple of women who are singing it like it is.
crazy chap.
Living on tea and odds and ends Ah, were we lucky now it all depends There was Cordell and me and Norman Brown Sitting around, away from town And me, I'm listening Hey, oh, big mountain guys Watch the sunrise in your eyes Taking care of the elders' pride Hey, hey, Mother Earth Hey, hey, Father Sky And me I've watched it grow Corporate greed and a lust for gold And coal and oil And hey, now uranium Keep the Indians under your thumb Pray like hell when your bad times come Hey, rip them up, strip them up Get them with a gun She was a friend of mine And in May in the snows of the winter time We were running across the fields of Indian land Ducking bullets from the guns of a pale man Woman hunted in the land. What did you say about uranium? She come to see me one day. I was living in a little place in LA. She was running from the field of the tailor's touch, singing me a about uranium (laughs) 
let it grow. Corporate greed and a lust for gold and coal and oil. And hey, now, uranium. Keep the Indians under your thumb. Pray like hell when your bad times come. Hey, rip them up, strip them up, get them with a gun.
That's it. We <clears throat> featured Tracy Chapman and Buffy St. Marie. <clears throat> and Tracy led that that set off with... Uh, well, no, Tracy finished that set with Rape of the World. We are witnessing the rape of the world. Need I say more? How many different ways are we raping the world? And 
as we said at the top of the show, you got to serve somebody. A whole lot of the, the rape of the world takes place in our everyday lives with our recycling, with our practices, with our uh, capitalist um, way of producing and distributing. It's obvious now that cap in order for the earth to live, capitalism is going to have to die. And I somehow don't see the uh, dollar moguls giving up their right to destroy the earth in the name of profit or to destroy our lives. Okay, this week we did, we lost uh, a major spokesman for the earth and for the Native American way of life, John Trudell, poet, musician, and longtime activist for Native American rights, has died in California at the age of 69. This was December 10th. He was the spokesman of the American Indian Movement during the 1969 occupation of Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay where he set up a radio broadcast called Radio Free Alcatraz. Here Trudell read one of his poems. Okay, John Trudell. We now turn to John Trudell, a Sante Sioux poet, musician, longtime activist for Native American rights, spokesperson during the Indians of All Tribes occupation of Alcatraz Island in 1969, which culminated in the formation of the American Indian Movement the following year. Trudell was the national chair of AIM from 1973 to 1979. Those turbulent times included the siege at Pine Ridge and the occupation of Wounded Knee. We now turn to John Trudell, who is in the midst of a poem. There are dreams of the day. There are dreams of the night. Thinking and dreaming are related. Dreams of the day we make our own. Dreams of night, part of eternal stone. There are dream takers taking from dream worlds, taking dreams as a way of stealing thoughts, turning minds inside and out. Dream slavers want to change our connections to ourselves, mess with our dreams, make us unsure, unclear about right and wrong, feed our dreams and instincts to industrial profit machine. Difference between dream and fantasy reality and illusion, center and no center. Dreams of the day keep our spirit alive, our creative mind, who we really are. With dreams we can create and heal, follow our original purpose. Dreams are protection, good medicine, blessed way, blessed way things. Sun and moon continue. We are all on one journey. Now, kind of, I want to talk about who we are. You know, see, my cultural reality, my 
my life experience in this technologic reality made me a little bit crazy. You're listening to John Trudell, Native American poet, musician, and activist, and we're going to be back with him and a speech he recently gave. In okay, well, so that was John Trudell reading um, one of his poems about dreams. And I want to listen to a couple more of his poems. Uh, some of his... John Trudell, Mining Our Minds for the Machine. We cannot change the political system. We cannot change the economic system. We cannot change the social system until the people control the land and then we take it out of the hands of that sick minority that chooses to pervert the meaning and the intention of humanity. Custer, South Dakota, yesterday after Johnson Early John Trudell as attorney documentary. The great lie is that it is civilization. It's not civilized. It's been the most, it's been, it has been literally the most bloodthirsty, brutalizing system ever imposed upon this planet. That is not civilization. That's the great lie, is that it represents civilization. That's the great lie. Or if it does represent civilization, and that's truly what civilization is, then the great lie is that civilization is good for us. But I think that we really need to put serious thought into understanding that we're dealing with a disease. You know, it's like there's this predator energy on this planet. And this predator energy feeds upon the essence of the spirit, feeds upon the essence of the human being, the spirit. Predator energy can take fossil fuel and, and other resources out of the earth, turn it into fuel to run a machine system. But in order for there to be a need for that system, and in order for that system to work, they have to mine our minds to get at the essence of our spirit. The same way the external mining takes place, it pollutes, we see now, people understand how it poisons the environment, the water, the air, pollution. The mining of the essence, the mining of the spirit, mining our minds, the pollution from that is all of the neurotic, distorted, insecure behavior patterns that we develop. That's the pollution. Because in order for this predatory system, this disease, to work, we must not be able to use our minds in a clear, coherent manner. Because if we use our minds in a clear, coherent manner, we will not accept the unacceptable. But it's a disease that lives and travels through the mind, through the generations.
That was the voice of John Trudell, uh, Native American activist, one of the founders of the American Indian Movement, AIM, who just recently, December 8th, uh, died of cancer, 69 years old. Uh, we'll have to get more of John Trudell on this show because he puts it where it's at. It's a personal struggle within our minds to keep our minds focused on what he calls our real work, our original purpose. All right, let's listen to uh, some voices from the World Climate Conference. Jane Goodall famous anthropologist is there and she said she's got enough people telling her that her name is Jane Goodall so she's come to believe it let's hear what she has to say about the world the crisis of the world it's Jane Goodall enough people have told me so this morning I came from the UK but that was almost directly from Latin America before that was North America anyway round and round and round and I'm here really to talk about the importance of saving the rainforest as a way of mitigating climate change because I know more about that than many of the other issues although I talk about all of them why is it important to save the rainforest because they absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and as we cut them down and burn them that CO2 is released back from the trees, the leaves and also from the forest soils and about 50% of our tropical rainforests have already gone. They're going at a tremendously fast rate and even when they are protected in many countries because of corruption the power of the corporations, the worship of money and profit, the protection isn't always saving the forest. You have recently been in the United States. You know there's a presidential election going on there. Can you talk about, uh, especially in the Republican Party, the presidential candidates like the leading candidate Donald Trump's uh, denial that climate change is caused by human beings overwhelmingly? Well, I listened to Donald Trump saying, you know, that he doesn't believe that we've caused or are causing climate change and some of the other right-wing um, leaders. And I just ask myself, do they really believe what they're saying? Because it seems so very obvious. And if you read the facts, I don't see how you can come to any other conclusion but that it's our misuse of fossil fuels, the emissions, from agriculture, from industry, from households, the vast impact that's being made by this intensive farming of, of animals. And in order to feed the billions and billions of cows and pigs and chickens, even if you don't care about the cruelty, even if you refuse to admit that these are individuals with feelings who feel pain and have emotions, even if you don't admit that, you have to admit huge areas of forest are cut down to grow grain, to feed them. Intensive cattle grazing is turning forest to woodland, to scrubland. And food in one end, 
gas out both ends, that's methane, and that's an even more potent greenhouse gas than CO2. It's about 36% of all methane emissions come from this intensive farming. Of cows? Of, well, cows, pigs, the whole, the whole thing. Can you talk about how diet fuels climate change and why you're a vegetarian? I'm a vegetarian because, partly because, you know, I respect animals. I know they're all individuals. And I wouldn't eat a cow any more than I would eat my dog. That, that's the truth. And pigs are more intelligent than many dogs. But, you know, in addition, when you know the impact on the environment of this intensive, intensifying eating of meat, it, it's also true that uh, being a vegetarian is more healthy. And so everything combined, I, I would be a vegan if I was in one place. But you have to be a bit careful if you're a vegan to get you know, the right sort of nutrients and so forth. And as I'm 300 days a year on the road, I, I just, vegetarian is sometimes hard, but I do stick to that. What have you learned as a leading primatologist, uh, expert in chimpanzees and baboons that most of us don't know? I think it's really started a long time ago when I went to study chimpanzees in 1960. I hadn't even been to college. And when I went to Cambridge two years later because... Where did you go to study? Cambridge. Oh, I went to Gombe National Park in Tanzania. It was Tanganyika back then, all that time ago in 1960. And after I'd been there for about two years, uh, my mentor, the late Lewis Leakey, told me I had to get a degree got me a place in Cambridge to straight into a PhD because he said there was no time for a BA. And imagine my shock when these erudite professors, of whom I was a little nervous, told me I'd done everything wrong, that I should have given the chimpanzees numbers, not names, that I couldn't talk about them having personalities, minds capable of problem solving, and certainly not emotions. Why? Because those were unique to us. And in fact, back then, it was generally thought that there was a sharp line between us and the rest of the animals, and it was a difference of kind. And it's so clearly a difference of degree, you know, with the same building blocks of life that we can trace through evolution, coming up from very primitive sort of creatures and ending up in our bodies too. So basically, the chimpanzees opened the door for a new way of thinking about animals to admit that we are not the only beings with personality, mind, and emotions. And that it makes us ask the question, but we are different. So what's the biggest difference? Development of the intellect. How is it possible that the most intellectual creature that's ever walked the planet is destroying its only home? As you spend time at the UN Climate Change Summit 2015, the one that has been considered the most important after Kyoto, because it's supposed to be a binding agreement, though in the United States, President Obama says it can't be called a binding treaty, because then he'd have to put it through Congress. What have you been most struck by? I think, you know, I've been to four other COPs. And I think the thing that's different is that there is it's more of a sense of urgency and there are far more people accepting the fact that 
climate change is for real. I mean, if you just look around the world on almost any day and you see what's happening, you know, England, half of England is flooded. People are dying in the DRC from floods. Go down to Namibia and it's getting drier and drier and drier. And we get these terrible storms. I mean, even in the UK last week, a plane was diverted because the wind was so strong it couldn't land. And yes, these things have always happened, but they're happening faster and faster. The permafrost under the Tibetan plateau is melting way faster than science predicted. And if, if that releases all the methane into the atmosphere, it's going to just up climate change. And it's happening, and it's happening in Alaska, and it's happening in Greenland. We were talking to climate scientist Kevin Anderson of the Tyndall Center, and he was criticizing climate scientists, saying they're censoring themselves, that no matter what is said, it's actually much worse. Uh, they don't dare. They're not brave enough. It's always, they, they want to sort of be very cautious and say, if this and if that, and perhaps and maybe. But it's just to the ordinary person who cares, especially if you travel like I do. I've seen it. I've lived long enough to see the change and to see how in the last 15 years or so, it's just accelerated in the most terrifying way. We're talking about the globe, the fate of the planet. How can one person make a difference? Well, the thing is, it's not about one person. Can they make a difference? Everybody, every day, does make a difference. And if we think about the consequences of the choices we make, what we buy, what we eat, what we wear, and we start making the right ethical choices, then when that's multiplied a thousand, a million, a billion, several billion times, then we see the world moving towards change. So the most important thing is to give people hope. I've seen areas that have been destroyed that have come back to be beautiful again and support life. Nature is resilient. Animal species on the brink of extinction can be given another Like chance. where? Animals, well, I'm thinking of, diff I wrote a whole book called Hope for Animals and Their World, and I picked species that were, you know, the prime example in New Zealand was just two birds, one male and one female. And the scientist said, I'm not giving up. And he, and these were in the wild. And there's now 500 of them on four different islands. Thanks so much, Jane Goodall. Thank you. Amy Goodman there talking to uh, Jane Goodall. And we've got one more uh, feature from... Uh, The Paris Conference, in this case, it's a young girl singing about uh, climate change. <clears throat> Her name is Takaya Blaney. You stand on common ground. Drink the water, breathe the air Roots in nature is what we all share Earth cries for unity in this window of opportunity 
Every step's the front line We're showing up our battle lines You're hiding all the danger signs so If you want to turn the world all around We gotta turn it upside down To keep alive our way of life To keep alive our way of life We've all got to unify We've all got to unify Join hands But the future of our land Speak the language that practices Mother Earth won't heal without our bandages Final hour and final measure is culture that we treasure. Okay, that was a song by Takeya Blani, a Native American activist, First Nations activist, I should say, singing about if we want to turn the world around, we got to turn it upside down. This is a Mutiny Radio, Labor and Love Show. It's around that 11 o'clock hour. Here's Lalo Guerrero. Mm -hmm. 
Se alerta ese vato, no se vaya al rol Porque va a empezar al rato el piano del cantón Porque va a empezar al rato el marihuana boogie boy Se llama Juana, 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 Juana Pero ya todos los vatos le dicen marihuana Mari, marihuana, cómo te quiero yo Ese buggy me siento volador. Pégale bute esas teclas, ya estoy aviado. Pégale bute esas teclas, que ya estoy volado. was Lalo Guerrero, and I'm being called to task here about my transitions. I should have explained to you first, after that beautiful song by the 14-year-old girl singing about the earth and how we've got to turn the world upside down in order to save the earth, we went into a a commercial, one of our sponsors, Alta California Botanicals. And in honor of Alta California, I always play a Lalo Guerrero's Marijuana Boogie. Um, Alta California Botanicals is a, a company that extracts tinctures from the cannabis plant. And... Uh, they manufacture them. You can get uh, some tinctures that are dominant with CBD, which is the uh, 
pain relieving, the healing agent contained in cannabis. And in varying degrees, you can get to the euphoric, the uh, high. There's a pain relief tincture. There's an anxiety relief tincture, spasm relief, pain relief, and stress relief. Pain relief is uh, high in CBD, anti-inflammatory, non-psychoactive. And as you move through the five different tinctures, you get up to the stress relief tincture, which has high euphoric value, high in psychoactivity. So that would be more of the, uh, the high. This is Labor and Love, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio at 2781 21st Street, corner of 21st and Florida. And on Labor and Love, we tell it like it is. We tell you that if one person got a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. And if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never, let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Okay, moving on now. I want to mention that today, December 12th, in case you didn't know, is the day of the Aparicion de la Virgen de Guadalupe in a small area outside of Mexico City in the year 1531. Tonsantin is the name of the place, name of the uh, goddess. And the, uh, on this date... Uh, an Indian named Juan Diego saw, uh, it appeared to him, a dark-skinned woman, barefoot, pregnant, um, saying that she was Mary, the mother of, of Jesus, La Virgen, La Virgen de Guadalupe and admonishing him to go to the bishop in Mexico City and tell him to make a church there in her honor. Well, of course, Juan Diego was an Indian. He went to talk to the bishop. They, at first, they wouldn't even let him in to talk to the bishop. He went back and told the lady that uh, he was having problems, and she said, well, tell you what, I'm going to make roses right here. She made a rose garden in the middle of the desert. He gathered the roses in his sarape and went to talk to the bishop. And when he opened up his sarape to show the roses, there was uh, on his, embroidered on his, his, um, Tarape, a beautiful picture of, of the Virgin, of the woman that he had seen. And the, that 
Zarape is on display now in the Basilica, the beautiful church that's built on that site of the uh, Virgen de Guadalupe, December 12th. And there are always people who will claim that the Spanish conquistadores who had only arrived 10 years earlier in uh, Tenochtitlan, a.k.a. Mexico City, that they just did that to get Indians into the church. <clears throat> that really doesn't matter now, does it? All over Mexico, all over the Spanish-speaking world, the Virgen de Guadalupe is revered as the Emperatriz de Mexico and as a, an example that Christianity, true Christianity, is not not founded in the world of riches and of gold, but in the world of the people who work the earth. For example, a man and a woman who couldn't find a place to stay, so they had their baby in a barn. So, Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe, December 12th. I want to mention our own um, Labor Heroes display um, labor Heroes posters made from a set of labor cards, which yours truly worked on with the renowned uh, artist, Josh Sanchez, who works over at Alliance Graphics. On display there, 11 pictures of um, labor heroes drawn from all ethnicities, all walks of life. Uh, that'll be on display uh, well into the spring. The fourth floor, Labor Archives at San Francisco State University. And many thanks to Catherine Powell, the director and librarian of the Labor Archives, for uh, mounting this display. All right, let's move on to some more music. We're, uh, our entire first hour was dedicated to the earth. Uh, let's get on here. We've got, uh, we celebrated last week Joe Hill, famous labor activist who was executed in Utah on a trumped up charge in 1915 and here's Utah Phillips with Joe Hill's last will and testament we'll follow him up with Bob Dylan and Allen Ginsberg here we go Joe Hill's last will and testament if there's one thing that's characteristic of the labor movement it is that we never forget our heroes we don't lose track of them and they continue to teach us through their songs and through their lives, through the things that they said. Over in the little town of Galway, Sweden, a man was born to a working class family. He learned to speak English working on the freighters going between his native Sweden and England. And then before the turn of the century, he joined his brother and they migrated to the United States like so many others. He worked as a dock hand, as a machinist, as a harvest stiff, 
all the way across the country to San Pedro, California. In Sweden, his name was Joel Emanuel Hegeland. In this country, he shortened that to Joseph Hillstrom. And then finally, his fellow workers turned it into Joe Hill. And Joe Hill, well, he was executed November 19th, 1915 in the state of Utah, where I'm from, for writing songs. He wrote songs to help people to define their problems and hopefully help them to define their solutions. It cost him his life, and we're still here, so we owe him something, you know. So we sing about him. Joe wrote to, when he was in prison in Utah, he wrote to Big Bill Haywood, Secretary Treasurer of the Industrial Workers of the World. He said, Dear Bill, I die like a true rebel. Don't mourn for me, but organize. Then he said, Bill, I want you to promise me that if they kill me, that you take my body over the border into Wyoming, because I don't want to get caught dead in Utah. Being from Utah, I know there's lots of us to feel that way. Some people say that Joe Hill's last true and authentic words, reporters anyway, say the last thing they ever heard come out of his mouth was the words, ready, aim, fire, as he delivered the order for his execution to the firing squad. The night before his execution, he passed a small note out through the bars of his prison cell there at the old Sugar House prison. And that was his last will. My will is easy to decide, for there is nothing to divide. My kin don't need to fuss and moan. Moss does not cling to a rolling stone. My body? Ah, if I could choose, I would to ashes it reduce and let some merry breezes blow them to where some flowers grow. Perhaps some fading flower then would take root and bloom again. This is my last and final will. Good luck to all of you, Joe Hill. If you 
so far that won't do nobody harm Take your vacation by the mountains of the sea Don't swap that old car for a car Better stay right where you are You had better take this tip from me Cause I read it in the wantons every day And the headlines on the papers always say Believe it or not, you won't find it so hard if you ain't got the tool in me.
everybody's lying on both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bloody iron curtain of American military power is a mirror image of Russia's red Babel Tower. Jesus Christ was spotless but was crucified by the mob. Law and order, Herod's hired soldiers did the job. Flower power's fine, but innocence has got no protection. A man who shot John Lennon had a hero worshipper's connection. The moral of this song is that the world is in a horrible place. Scientific industry devours the human race. Police in every country armed with tear gas and TV. Secret masters everywhere bureaucratized for you and me. Terrorists and police together build a lower class rage. Propaganda, murder, manipulates the upper class stage. Can't tell the difference between a turkey and a provocateur. If you're feeling confused, the government's in there for sure. Aware, aware, wherever you are, no fear. Trust your heart, don't ride your paranoia, dear. Ordinary mind, honor, humor, even help enlighten woe mankind. Okay, that set finished up with Allen Ginsberg, Capital Air. Now there is a version of that with the cl the uh, Clash. I don't know if that what it is. Also with the Tom Petty band. But uh, Ginsburg, a little dated, talking about the Khmer Rouge, but uh, still, still valid today. Before that was Bob Dylan with his version of Woody Guthrie's song, The Do Re Mi. In this world, money talks. What are we going to do about it? And before that, Joe Hill, Utah Phillips with his... Um, reading of Joe Hill's last will and testament. Joe Hill, the labor activist, Swedish worker who came to the U.S. and was very prominent as a songwriter, cartoonist, balladeer, poet, and uh, who was framed and essentially murdered in the state of Utah in 1915. So what happened today in labor history? Let's take a look. This day in labor history, December 10th, 1789. On December 10th, 1789, Moses Brown, a Rhode Island businessman, hired Samuel Slater to build an English-style factory in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This began the Industrial Revolution in the United States. Also began industrial slavery. Slater was a farmer's son in England who started working at a 
an early cotton mill in 1778. Now the way factories were organized in England was a secret. Uh, British capitalists did not want people, other people, to find out how these factories worked. They sought to protect its advantages by banning the transporting of this knowledge outside its borders, but Slater, who had a great memory, decided to go to the United States and make his fortune in that nation. Slater began constructing his new factory in early 1790. By December, it was partially operational with about 10 employees. One of the parts of this deal was that no one took responsibility for workers being hurt on the job, workers being driven essentially crazy by repetitious work. Samuel Slater died a millionaire in 1835 in an age when there were very few. Slater's Mill. This day in labor history, a small group of black farmers organized the Colored Farmers National Alliance and Cooperative Union in Houston County, Texas. They had been barred from membership in the all-white Southern Farmers Alliance through intensive organizing along with merging with other black farmers group, the renamed Colored Alliance by 1891 claimed a membership of 1.2 million. Today in labor history, December 10th, General Electric plant in Schenectady, New York, 1907. The IWW launched the first sit-down strike in the U.S. at a General Electric plant their method was later adopted by the labor movement in the 1930s with the Flint sit-down strike being the best known. Today in labor history. Today in labor history, December 10th, 1948, the United Nations adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights which states in part that everyone has the right to good working conditions, equal pay for equal work, fair compensation, the right to form and join trade unions and limited working hours. Nice idea, huh? <laughs> certainly, certainly not observed. Today in labor history, we're talking about December 7th, 1888, Haywood Brune, journalist and founder of the American Newspaper Guild. Now the Newspaper Guild, part of the Communications Workers of America. Brune was born this day, December 7th, in Brooklyn, New York. Appeasers, Brune said, believe that if you keep on throwing stakes to a tiger, the tiger will become a vegetarian.
this day in labor history. So remember, you're only alone when you don't stand up. And if you don't stand up, you'll be counted for sitting down. This is the B and this is the Labor and Love Show. And uh, today's show was mostly about the Earth and about the ongoing campaign of people like you and me all over the world to save their home, the Earth. Let's see what we got. Let's let's listen to uh, before we sign off here. Let's listen to uh, "Carry It On" by the Fruit of Labor Singing Ensemble from North Carolina. There's a Carry It On. Lift your heart.
Buffy St. Marie from her latest album entitled Power in the Blood, singing her version of Carry It On. Uh, before that, we heard Fruit of Labor, the uh, North Carolina based uh, African American workers, black workers organization and orchestra. This is the B, and it's time to sign off. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who's not a friend of labor. Okay, call out bye-bye to my soulmate, Silvia Ramirez. My daughter, who makes me proud to be a dad every day, Vita, and the whole fam from Solina on up, Nepo, Vita, Suni, Enrique, Sister Alexandra, Brother Charlie, 
its labor and its love. See you next week. Here's the Internacional. insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. Join us every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. for Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, bringing you the best of San Francisco's underground comedy scene here every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. It's only $2. You can bring your own beer and listen to comedy here every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m., 21st in Florida. It's MutinyRadio.fm.
the House of Pride radio show, LGBT radio for everyone. Funky interviews, funky beats, talking drag queens, and much, much more. It's LGBT radio for everyone. Listen live every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride Radio, LGBT radio for everyone. Celebrating the considerable contributions of the LGBT community in San Francisco and beyond. Every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Listen here for hot new local beats by LGBT artists and listen to live interviews. Tune in. Turn on every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride Radio with drag queen personalities, Tweeka Turner and Pearl T. Are you sick of reading the news? Do you even bother to read the news anymore? Do you need someone to read it to you because it's just so disgusting and depressing? If so, then the Weekly Review is the show for you. Join Roman Reimer as Roman reads the news, whether it be LGBTQ issues, cannabis legalization, prison abolition, police brutality, or many other issues that sometimes the media just doesn't feel the need to cover. Listen in, Fridays at noon, Mutiny Radio. Roman's also joined by activists, community organizers, artists, and many other great folks working to make the world a better place. Have no fear, the news is here. And if you feel like yelling about it, well then Roman will be yelling with you. The Weekly Review, Fridays at noon on Mutiny Radio. Hello comrades. This is your comrade, Zach Wiseman, host of government-sponsored program, Communist Folding Chairs, mandated by the Kremlin to occur every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m., broadcast by our comrades at mutinyradio.fm. Sit, relax, listen to my comrades in stand-up comedy march honorably through their cold balance sets, and other comrades make fun of them. Because in Mother Russia, if you can't laugh about starving for turnip and beet, and attention, you are a capitalist pig, and the KB- KGB will visit you shortly. Every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m. Looking to invest in the future of your community? MutinyRadio.fm and the Boys and Girls Club Mission Clubhouse needs your help. Please donate to keep the radio class you listen to right now alive on the air every Thursday from 4.50 to 5.50 p.m. Donations are tax deductible. Donate online at www.mutinyradio.fm or just stop by the station at 21st Street and Florida. That's 2781 21st Street and throw some cash in the big glass jar. Stop by to experience live audience friendly shows every day of the week and know that you're supporting the future of the mission by keeping free speech alive for all ages. This PSA is brought to you by your friends and community partners at muniradio.fm. Hi, I'm Chuck Weiss. If you're an old baby boomer like me, pain is probably something you've learned to live with by now. 
Yes, there are drugs on the market that help, but they come with side effects and shouldn't be used for extended periods of time. But fortunately, there is an effective natural pain reliever available in this state, medical cannabis. Let me tell you about Alta California Botanicals. They're a manufacturer of fine cannabis tinctures. Now you can take your medication in liquid form, much more discreet than pulling out a pipe and lighting up. Alta California Botanicals offers five different formulations, each one addressing a specific medical concern. There are two that are designed for pain, one to be swallowed, of course, and a new one for external use only. I'm going to have to try that one myself on my arthritic fingers. There's a tincture for stress and one for anxiety. They'll certainly keep you mellow. And there's even one for people who suffer from MS. The cannabis tinctures from Alta California Botanicals come in one half ounce bottles. Each batch is laboratory tested and certified free of pesticides and mold. In other words, completely natural and unadulterated. Alta California Botanicals doesn't sell directly to the public, of course, but if you visit their website at Alta, A-L-T-A, CaliforniaBotanicals.com and enter your zip code, they'll give you a list of dispensaries near you that keep their tinctures in stock. Now here's a tip for the holiday season. Keep a couple of extra bottles of the stress formula handy. It'll help maintain your cool amongst all that shopping madness. I'm Chuck Weiss for AltaCaliforniaBotanicals.com. Do you have a great idea for a product or service but don't know where to start? Are you looking to expand your current business? Women's Initiative of San Francisco began its business management training program for low-income, high-potential women in 1988. To attend a free orientation on how you can achieve your dream of starting your own business, or for more information, please contact 415-641-3460 or visit womensinitiative.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Hey, people, 